0: all of a sudden you're the person that's making uh those plans
1: but i always thought that that might be the the toughest transition uh for a firefighter to a company officer welcome to the triple p podcast premier professional and proactive brought to you by the ohio fire chiefs association i'm your host clayton o'brien and i'm the fire chief for the city of oregon Welcome to the Triple P Podcast. This is uh, episode number 22. Uh, But we do have the uh, um, honor to be having Chief Preet from montgomery county maryland um and i'll let him talk about his department a little bit and the size of that but um i was able to meet him by sitting through the um company officer prep school so uh a very good class just had day one um and so just that's what we're here to talk about today so why don't we just start uh, maybe talking a little bit about yourself and then the okay. department that you come from
0: sure um well first off I'm, I'm representing task force one uh the organization that um puts on these programs uh, they're a company based out of Pennsylvania and we go across the uh, United States and uh, um, we've been into uh, Canada and also been into Europe uh, to provide some training programs we uh, we do just about all types of, of training both hands-on and didactic and um, yeah so that's uh, I had the honor of, of being chosen to come out here to Oregon Ohio and and provide the uh, company officer program for your uh, personnel, and it's uh, and always an honor for me to get that opportunity. Uh, you know, I appreciate being asked. Um, yeah, I, I'm retired uh, eleven years now. With uh, from Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, which is a suburb of Washington D.C., we're a relatively large combination department, uh, about 500 square miles. Uh, we're a border uh, jurisdiction to Washington D.C. You have uh, The Northern Virginia uh, departments of Arlington, Fairfax, and Alexandria on one side, and then Montgomery County and uh, Prince George's County on the other side. So uh, they call it the Cog Region, and uh, and we're a member of the Cog Region. Um, So it's uh, you know relatively large department, um, you know, with a good call volume, and you know keeps people busy. It's all types of uh, uh, commercial and residential and um, multifamily um mid-rise high-rise garden apartments uh with our share of uh of rural water supply and uh you know rural areas as well we uh we do a little Potomac river um so we do some uh, swift water rescue and uh some still water rescue and um so yeah we we do a little bit of everything yeah i thought it was interesting uh
1: one of the things that you had talked about was um you know the call volume that you do do and that it's in, you know up in ohio um, it's, it's not really common to have full County departments. Um, so that's unique. I know that they have that, that, that type, at least my brother-in-law down in Florida, he's on a uh, Marion County. So he's on a full County department and, um, and then talking to you being on a full County department. So the, not only the square mileage that you guys cover, but the, uh, call volume. Um, yeah. And I get that the ratio of, you know, the, the, the ratio of, you know, apparatus or responding units compared to your calls kind of all, you know, makes sense. Um, and, but it's also still a combination department so you're not just all career it's still the um combination of part-time and full-time so that's uh very interesting and um you know so i appreciate you sharing and and um you know so company officer prep school though you know when it when it comes to um that do you are you always the one that delivers that class or is it kind of vary from task force one
0: um the uh owner of the company gives uh, a lot of latitude to uh, instructors you have a preference um, most of my preference is with the uh, management classes the company officer classes uh, but I also enjoy doing uh, the managing the May Day class the in uh, uh, managing the MCI class so, so there are a lot of other programs um, that that he will send us out to do um, but when it comes to the management classes normally he he you know looks to me to to provide those classes but then there's other classes that I really enjoy I work with uh, an FDNY um lieutenant retired uh who uh um asked me to assist with a uh, large area search class and we've been putting that on uh, when it's been requested and you know that's a good program and that's a lot of hands-on less didactic um, you know But, um, you know, I enjoy those as well. So, you know, I'll do whatever he asks me to do as long as it's within my my purview and and my knowledge. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, he'll ask me to do something that, uh, you know, I I really don't have any any knowledge of. For instance, recently he, you know, asked me if I I had any uh, knowledge with the lithium battery um, issues and and the uh, electric cars, which I don't. I mean— a lot of those came about after I retired and so I'm not proficient. Therefore I don't, you know, profess to know enough to be able to teach it. So I, I, I stay away from that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So that makes sense. And yeah. you know, and I think that that's kind of new for everybody, right? Yeah, You know how that's going to be and you know, how people are going to respond to those and uh, who's in the market with the new products and you know, wants uh, you know, everybody to use those new products. So that is, it's still, it's still interesting even on this end, you know, yeah. of, you know, what exactly are those SOGs going to look like? And then, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, uh, there's just definitely something that is important, uh, so I get it. Uh, one of the things that uh, you had talked about, you know, you had, you had made made the mention of five main things within the company officer prep today, um, and we'll just kind of start talking about those things, and, you know, no, like, number one, planning, number two is organization, uh, three, leading, four, coordinating, and five, motivating. So, let's just start off with, like, let's start off with planning.
0: So uh, yeah and and there's a relationship between all five of those um entities. So you can look at them in individually or you can look at them in their entirety, but um, as a company officer, um it, it is important that you're proficient in in each of those and um also um that you understand what goes into uh you know each of those elements. Uh when we talk about planning for instance, You know, that is a major uh, job for the company officer because uh, when you um, plan um, in the station, when you plan for training events, when you plan for apparatus maintenance, uh, station maintenance, all of those things have tentacles. And uh, each one of those tentacles um, intertwine with other things that you have to be uh, cognizant of as a company officers
1: from from your experiences like yeah, going to different departments and doing this uh, this uh, prep school for you know the the you know first company officer line company officer uh, do you think that planning would be uh, you know it's probably one of the hardest things to adapt to when you first become an officer, Um, you know, because you've gone from now being a, like you had talked about in the class, being a doer to now being the planner. Um, How difficult is that?
0: I I think it's a tough transition. I also, if you look at uh, an assessment center, for instance, for a company officer level um, exam, I think one of the reasons why planning an organization is part of the assessment center, one of the dimensions, it's because it is so critical. I mean, if you think about it, uh, for the most part, as a firefighter, as a paramedic, uh, you, you are filling the, the, the day with tasks. Um, the the officer is telling you what to do, and, and, and you're doing it. Uh, when you move from that level to the company officer, um, all of a sudden, you, you're the person that's making uh, those plans, you're making those decisions, you're you're structuring your day in such a way that you can accomplish all of those things. And uh, if you happen to be at a station that runs some calls, um, you have to plan accordingly and, and have contingency plans uh, that still get the job accomplished while able to uh, provide the service to the community, which is the primary reason we're there.
1: Yeah. And that's super hard sometimes because they're in the, you know, as you said, if you're at a station that runs some calls, um, you know, you're, you're knocking these calls out and uh, everybody's busy all day. So now you're trying to not only plan, but then delegate to how go, how, how are these, all these tasks going to get accomplished and, and um, you know, and what the priorities are those. And I thought that was a, a great example today with a lot of the, you know, exercises that we did as group activities uh, to be able to do that, to, to work through those, Hey, how do we we prioritize this list of things, and then um, and then justify the reason why we prioritize them that way. Right, right. Um, and it was unique that we kind of all came up with our different things, but uh, but with the full understanding to know that individuals have different mindsets of how and what's prioritized prioritized and, and when to do um, but I always thought that that might be the the toughest transition uh, for a firefighter to a company officer is you know planning and, and also I, I kind of look at planning with also tying it with execution would uh, you know so would you agree with that or-
0: I, I would and I think that if you if you look at the five uh, dimensions that we talked about if you take planning and organizing, Um, They're very easy to combine because um, you have to have a process. Um, So when you make a plan, you have to have an idea of how you're going to execute that plan and organize that plan. Um, And then you need to justify how you're organizing it. And And that's the great thing with the exercise. There's no real right or wrong answer. It's all a matter of getting the firefighter to start thinking like a company officer and saying, uh, yeah, I think that if, if I was given that situation, I would handle it this way. And the reason I would handle it this way is because of whatever X, Y, and Z. Um, and and that doesn't make them right or wrong from the person sitting next to them. And that that comes up with a different methodology or, or a different uh, organizational method. Uh, rather, it just says that they're both thinking and and using, you know, their experiences, their past experiences, and, and you know, determining how, how to fulfill something. So, yeah, it, it those do go hand in hand, and, and absolutely a, um, a new firefighter uh, transitioning to company officer um, needs to, to be able to figure that out because a lot of their job is, is exactly that. You know, we're, we're, it's not like we're out on the street every minute of every day. You know, 70% of what we're doing is happening inside the fire station or in the community with the public doing, you know, public education or building inspections or um, just meeting and greeting people, area familiarization, whatever it may be. Uh, so it really has uh, oftentimes nothing to do with the decisions made on the fire ground or on an EMS or rescue call.
1: I, t- I totally agree with that. I feel, you know, that there is so much that does happen in the in the firehouse that, you know, defines the leading per person by planning and by executing with the organization. Um, but you know, if if I was if I was in a position where I didn't didn't have the ability to attend a class of yours, or you know, is there what what advice would you give to that you know brand new company officer that maybe in a department they just took over, um, they feel like they didn't get a bunch of training beforehand, and or vice versa, where it's a department that um, you know is looking at trying to you know. Maybe just like us, implement that that company officer, but they may not have the ability because they may not be that size to be able to bring you in and have that class. Uh, so, what would that 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 chief advice be for them to kind of help get some of the stuff you know to their people to start developing them for that next role?
0: Right. So, and it's a good question. Um, I think at a um, at at a very uh, basic level, uh, every one of us started somewhere. And every one of us had a supervisor, uh, so I think the first place to look is those early supervisors. Um, maybe some good, maybe not, some not not so good. And to draw out of those early supervisors those characteristics, those traits that they believe were the most important things that they would want to emulate. Um, obviously, if we could provide some sort of mentoring program, if we don't have the ability to bring in the formal education, you know, that's certainly uh, something to consider. Uh, if for no other reason to give uh, that new company officer an opportunity to bounce ideas off of someone who maybe has been there and done that. Um, but in the absence of a formal mentoring program, certainly, um, using prior experience. and it doesn't have to be prior experience in the fire service either. It could be prior experience from a, you know a job that they had um, working at a local grocery store or you know for a, for a fast food chain or you know any number of things. Uh, it's It's the process that's important. it's it's the ability to to look to those characteristics and traits and say yes. I remember that and that makes uh, uh, good sense to me. And then, you know, I look at something else and say, yeah, that I, I didn't think was the best way to handle that situation. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to stay away from that type of a situation.
1: Well, you make a good point because when you say it doesn't have to be in the fire service, um, I I'm 100% agree with that. And the reason why is, uh, you know, in my younger, in my younger days, I uh, was a manager at uh, McDonald's and, you know, being a shift supervisor, uh, you know, first starting out as I, was, you know, I worked the drive through and then, you know, shift supervisor to us, you know, made it all the way up in, in high school to a second assistant manager. And, um, and I will say that still to this day, I fully, truly believe into the processes. Yeah, I, I, I learned how to deal with people at that time. And, you know, in, in that, in that time, you know, you got customer service, but you also have a, you know, um, a job that individuals that, you know, are constantly changing over on a regular basis. So, um, you know, no matter what you're doing is, you know, always being able to learn from those in the process as it is. So, um, all right. So we talked about planning, we talked about organization or let's talk, let's talk a little bit about more like organizing your day and executing your day.
0: Yeah. So, um, as I said earlier, planning and organizing sort of go hand in hand, I guess the big difference is, um, once you know what your priority is, um, then you, you have to be able to uh, take those those issues or, or those um, ideas and then put them into some sort of, of um, process to be accomplished. And that's where the organizing comes in, because now we're thinking about, okay, who can handle this? Can these things be done simultaneously? Uh, can they be done by someone else? Uh, can I delegate this? Is this something that needs my direct attention? If so, is it something that I need to do right now, or is it something that can wait? You know, we talked, for instance, about um, the uh, school was looking for the fire apparatus to come for a a truck day. Um, And when you look at that on the surface, it seems pretty basic. But then when you start thinking about all the tentacles that go into something like that, for instance, the fact that children have been looking forward to something like this. And so if you don't show up because something else conflicts with that particular incident— now, all of a sudden, the children are disappointed, and they've looked up to that. They want to do that. They want to see the fire trucks. Um, you also have to take into consideration the times of day. When can I call the school? Because school's not open 24 hours. So if I put it off until the evening, I'm out of luck because there's not going to be anybody at the school for me to talk to. So now I have a time constraint that I have to put on that. And so when I organize my day and I think about putting call the school in my agenda— I need to remember that I'm only going to be able to contact school between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., so that has to be a consideration. Uh, how does that affect the other things? I've got a, an engine company that just went out of service because of an oil leak. Uh, can I, do I cancel that event, or am I calling one of the neighboring departments and saying, hey, can you cover this for me because the kids have really been looking forward to it? Um, I don't want to postpone it. I'd like to get it done. So the, so, there's, so when you think about organizing, uh, um, you really have to look at all of the pieces of that, all the tentacles that, that uh, are associated with that, and, and, um, and, then, and then make logical choices. Um, sometimes things can be put off. Just because the fire chief calls you and says, I need to talk to you, doesn't mean that he or she gets put on the top of the priority list. Um, sometimes uh, the, the, the chief can wait because there are other things that are more pressing, and maybe that entails a quick email to the chief saying, "I got your message, but I need to put you off for a couple hours because I have these other things that I need to handle." Uh, you know, no reasonable person is going to look at that and, and be upset with with that decision and the fact that you're keeping that individual in the loop is certainly a, a benefit as well.
1: Well, what I took away from the uh, the you know organizing your day you know earlier today was um, exactly what you kind of pointed to right there was that during one. It could just be one simple sentence. And if you remember, we talked about the injured hand. Um, it could be one simple little thing. On, on the board, it says that firefighter so-and-so injured their hand. But that little step right there had changed everything on the, um, on the amount of uh, steps that that company officer needs to take or what they need to do. So, you know, uh, when you talk about the, you know, workers comp paperwork, are they injured? They got to go to the hospital, all these different things. It looks very simple on the board, but it's a lot different. And I think that to your point of those tentacles that can kind of go along with everything, whether it's just, you know, the basic station tour of going over to the, you know, see the kids, there's just a lot of, you know, parts and pieces. Um, But I want to follow up with one thing. So like, so as we plan the day and then as we organize the day, what advice would you give to somebody that let's let's say I'm the new company officer and you're my you're my battalion chief or you're my fire chief. And it seems like every time that I'm planning the day, I seem to be on the disconnect or i'm I'm opposite of what maybe your priority thinks it should be compared to what I think the priority could be. Um, how could we resolve that?
0: Uh, and that's a, and that's a good question. I mean, take some of the large departments, for instance, I know where I came from in Montgomery County. Uh, we had training days that were set for specialty teams, for example. So if I'm a company officer and I really um, have a desire to get my folks trained uh, so that I could get them checked out on apparatus, especially because that affects their promotional opportunities. Um, if, if they're not a heavy apparatus driver, they don't have the, the opportunity to make that fire three position. And so um i that's my priority as a company officer meanwhile the department's priority is on monday we're going to be doing hazmat training on tuesday it's going to be USAR training on wednesday it's going to be swift water training on thursday it's going to be uh, confined space training on friday it's going to be something else and so when you have all these competing interests um you now have to be able to uh look at what and be creative um for instance, maybe in the evening when we're supposed to be doing station maintenance, I replace that with um some driver training, and maybe I leave part of my crew back to do the station maintenance, and we take the engine out to do some driver training. It doesn't take you know three rigs or four rigs to go out driver training. Um, you know that that's organizing. That's part of that that process which says, I I need to be uh, flexible here. I need to understand the department's priorities. And certainly that's important uh, to me as well. But getting my people um, certified to drive a heavy piece of apparatus is also uh, important to me. And it's important to the firefighter that's going through the training. So um, it's a balance, And sometimes it doesn't always work out. Sometimes there's conflicts. Um, Our rule was a box alarm on a detail at a time. So I could take a box alarm of apparatus out of service in order to uh, accomplish training. On a day when the specialty teams are training, oftentimes they took up that box alarm. So there was no opportunity for additional units to be out of, out of service. So you had to be creative. Um, you, you had to do the training in between calls. It had to be in service training. Um, and, and once again, that, that means you have to be creative. You have to look at all of all of the issues involved and where apparatus is. Are you going to be out of position? Um, if I have a box alarm, it's already out of position because they're at the training Academy cutting up cars. What does that mean to me and, and my support? Am I going to be getting that support, in, you know, that I that I normally expect on on a, a on a full assignment, or is it going to be delayed? And if so, what what does that mean for where I position myself when I'm doing my training? That's all part of that planning process. So, so during that, that planning process, you before we got into
1: the exercise of prioritizing and then and the, and doing the planning portion. Um, when we when we started prioritizing, you kind of told us you know a few different things of what should
0: take priority over the other. Can you expand on that? Sure. Um, it, it's it's pretty commonplace that um, life safety takes a top priority, and and um, personal property um, takes a high priority. So the, those are always going to sort of lead the pack. And then when we look at the internal customer versus the external customer. Um, we we tend to lean towards the external customer gets the priority over the internal customer. Um, and then finally, when you look at things in writing versus things in person, we tend to say that the things in person are going to take priority over the things in writing. So when you put all of that together and you look at um, all of the priorities that you have, it, it gives you a sense of, order to those things and it gives you the ability to evaluate where they fall in in that pecking order Um, one of the things we talked about for instance was a leak a water leak in the basement where you where you kept your ems supplies so so where do you prioritize that well you could say um if if the leak is significant and if i don't um, correct that leak, I, I could lose a lot of, of equipment. And if I need that equipment to back up the equipment that I currently have on the rigs, then that becomes a life safety issue and a community issue because I'm now now not able to Respond to those incidents.
1: Yeah, I um, thought that was uh, and that was tough. You know, it, yeah. really, it really was tough because of all those different incidences that you know that you gave to, to to make the priorities on. It, it was really tough because you had you know firefighter Jane that you know broke her hand, but then you had firefighter Smith that needed to talk to you because he was ten minutes late or whatever right. or wasn't there yet, and it was ten minutes past the shift. And then, um, but but I think that that's what kind of resonated with me, and I know it resonated with the others in in our groups at least around us as we were working in those small groups was is how you broke it down, you know, um, in person over, overwritten, you know, external over internal, you know, life safety and property conservation, you know, it's just all those ways sure. these. So that, that really helped kind of, you know, I think resonate with a lot of the troops to, to be able to say, Hey, these are, these are what the prior, even though they're still very, very hard to, you know, what are we going to do, but the impact. And then to start hearing the students start talking about, well, if I don't handle this right now, then what's the ramifications down the road? So, and that's what came to that basement one is that the sooner I handle it, the more down the road I'm not going to have problems with, you know, losing all my EMS supplies and being out of service for, and more of a longer extended period of time because the basement's now filled up rather than before it's just started very small.
0: Yeah, exactly. The firefighter who wants to see you as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. You you could take that many, many different ways. Um, If you take it at its worst Uh, case scenario this could be a firefighter who is very troubled maybe from a prior incident and um, it it doesn't feel that he or she has the ability to get on the rig for the next event Uh, maybe they're depressed because of something maybe it's a personal issue and they just don't feel they're up to the task for this given day if you push that off too long that now impacts your ability to respond to incidents. You're putting that individual in a very difficult position because maybe they're not ready to respond to those incidents or their head's not in the game. And that's the last thing we need. Uh, you know, when those bells and buzzers go off and we we get on those rigs, you need to be 100% engaged. And if there's other things out there that are bothering you, then, you know, they need to be addressed. So where it looks from the outside like a relatively simple Uh, issue when you delve into it a little deeper you know it it has other pieces to it and um you know, you, you have to be able to, to measure them against the other things, mm-hmm. you know, the the injured firefighter. the the How did the firefighter get injured? Is there, you know, it, it, if, if it's a slip, trip, or fall, what did she slip, trip, or fall on? You know, and is that something we need to address right away because somebody else could slip, trip, or fall? And by the way, does that mean that we have something leaking from one of the rigs that maybe now it's not serviceable? I mean, just if you think about it, all of the pieces there. And that's
1: why I I firmly believe like the most important position in the department, which you lead it, let it off with today is that is the company officer. I mean, they are the glue that holds it all together. They manage so much and there's a lot of different things that they have to do. And, and it's that, that's that hardest part where it's the firefighter, then moving into, you know, changing over into this company officer, which then leads us into number three, which is being that leader, you know, and sometimes, you know, that, that's a, that's a big transition from, you know, aggressive tactical, firefighter, you know, uh, doing all these things and always being the doer, how they transition into being the leader, which then helps them, you know, when you talk about delegation and when you talk about delivering messages that not always, you know, the groups don't like to hear all the time, right. you know, because it's not the most popular and, and how they manage being that one where maybe they weren't the one that was always on board all the time when these things kind of came down the chain. So, um, let's talk about the leading portion.
0: Well, for starters, you have to want to be a leader. You can't be a leader without accepting that that is your role in the fire service. Um, Then you have to look at um, how to lead uh, because there are many, many different leadership styles, as we all know. Uh, But in the fire service, um, firefighters are very astute. They pick up on the idiosyncrasies very quickly. If, if, um, If they don't feel that you're competent or they don't feel that you're consistent, or they don't feel that that you are um, implementing policy and procedure equally across the board. They're going to pick up on that, and so a leader you need to be very, very aware of um, how to be a leader and, and and what makes a good leader. And once again, um, that goes into you know falls back on the traits and characteristics that that we talked about very early on. Um, you know, being able to look at that leader that leadership capability and. And, uh, and asserting that leadership, especially when you're transitioning from that co- uh, firefighter role to that company officer role, and you're doing so in a department where it's a small group of individuals, so everybody knows everybody, so you have a past, you have a history, um, and you have to be true to yourself. And, and, and there is going to come a time where you are probably going to have to make a decision which is not popular with the individuals that you used to be best friends with. And that doesn't mean that your relationship changes outside of the fire service, but inside the fire service, it it has to change because you are now taking on a leadership role. And as a leader, uh, you you have to make sure that the individuals know who who is responsible uh, because that's what it comes down to. Uh, the, The buck stops with you as the new leader and um, and and you have to be able to make those decisions, popular or not. They have to match the vision uh, of of the department, match the mission of the department. Um, what is best for the community? What is you know best for the reputation of the of the community? And one of the things that you talked about was
1: uh, being a leader. Uh- Leader responsibility is doesn't just stop from eight to four or eight yeah. to five. It is a twenty four hour, seven days a week, three sixty five, and and being available for your crew and and um, you know inside and outside. And that's um, that's kind of how you know I think that you know truly does define, you know, a leader because we do have to have that, you know, as we, as you, you spent a lot of time today talking about the different generations, Mm -hmm. you know, the difference between the Gen X and the millennial or the Gen Z Z and, you know, you know, and so all those different ones to be able to understand who we're trying to manage and, you know, what makes them tick is, is something completely different. I know that, um, you know, I've had, uh, right now we have the, we have the Gen Z that's a a big popular workforce right now. And, and, uh, just coming into the service a lot where I'm in the millennial portion uh, where you're, you know, kind of at that role in the millennial thing. Millennial age group is probably the ones that are, you know, most likely getting promoted at this time and uh, some of the later generation of the, uh, of the Gen Z, but to also understand that the Gen Z, you know, what kind of, you know, things that trigger them might help you be able to prioritize things in a different way or be able to, um, you know, know each other's strengths and weaknesses just by knowing what generation they come from. I used to have an individual that worked for me. It was kind of crazy. He was uh, um, in, in he was a Gen Z, but you know, the I, I was never a video game person. Uh, but the, the video game thing was I just knew that this individual just needed 20 minutes every single day, every shift just to play the game on the computer. And he would, it, it was just, it was a completely different person after that. I don't know if it's an outlet or what it is, but um, you know, we talk about a lot of that, you know, of just knowing your people and making it adapt, but not being so inconsistent that it feels unfair to others.
0: You sure. Know? No, absolutely. And you know, when, when you understand what motivates an individual and, 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 why an individual responds to one thing and, and a different individual responds to something completely different, um, that's it, critical for you as a leader, uh, because everybody is not the same. There's uh, differences in in gender, there's differences in, in cultures, and there's differences in, you know, where, where we, um, when we were born and, you know, what we were used to growing up and if I'm, you know, one of those individuals, you know, one of those uh, Zers that or Zoomers, as they like to be called, that um, is, is always on social media and always um, knowledge at my fingertips all the time, um, I, I'm going to need to be um, uh, worked a little bit differently, led a little bit differently than that millennial who understands the technology, but it's not a major part of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they want to see something uh, on paper. Um, If, you know, we're having a training session, that might might mean, you know, one person gets it, you know, in paper form and another person, you know, gets it. In um, you know, in, in electronic form, um, it doesn't doesn't change what they're getting. It's just the way they're getting it, and and how they're going to understand it at the end of the day. Do you think?
1: Do you think that uh, also, um, by the generation of who raised, let's say, if I'm a millennial and I'm raised by a baby boomer, compared to a millennial being raised by or a millennial being raised by a Gen X, and depending on where you know where those falls, do you think that that plays a role in in how I might be in my generation?
0: That's a good question, and I I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. I I never studied it, but um, I think it... it Falls to. I mean, I, I tease, you know, all the time when I teach about tic tac. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I know it's TikTok, but but I, I like to laugh. Uh, well, um, and that's <laughs> kind of why I
1: bring it up because I feel like sometimes, like maybe in in parents that you know, uh, the age group of my children. My, you know, my my son's twenty two. My daughter's eighteen. Um, but I'm on the younger end to have that those age groups from the children. So did my children get exposed to technology cell phones and all those things a lot earlier than maybe the generation above me that Gen X before they held off cuz cell phones and all those things weren't big in theirs they held off and not giving the same age group as my my kids sure. maybe just held off and not giving them phones yeah, and things it, like
0: that Yeah absolutely and that's very possible I mean I, I'm you know the baby boomer era Okay and so you know it, I mean technology wasn't even thought about you know when I when I was being raised and um, I know um, you know, the games that, you know, that the Zoomers are playing today um, are so foreign to me because there are too many moving parts. Mm-hmm. I'm just not, my mind doesn't work that way. Um, and, and as such, um, you know, that, that kind of um, influence as I, w- I was raising children, um, m- you know, may actually have... Uh, influence because i know a lot of parents today um are right in there playing with their kids they're mm-hmm. they're using the video games they understand them you know I, I i tried um it was not it just was not something that, <laughs> that i was capable of that's I, me too my, 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 uh, i'm just not wired that
1: way yeah i i agree i mean unless it was you know i i I would be okay watching, yeah. but I was just never, never the, the guy that could play, you know? Right. And, and, and so, um, I totally agree, but I, I think it has a little bit of an impact, yeah. but, um, but I think that, uh, just the more that we talk about the different generations, I, I, I used to kind of think, well, why is it so important? Why does it even really matter? But then as I've uh, began to educate myself about those generations, because as you become a leader, as you become a supervisor, um, the more you know about the generations that you're managing, leading, supervising um, helps you in your role that you currently have, but then also helps provide an environment that, you know, that those individuals want to be around because yeah. you're, you're, you're feeding them exactly what they're, you know, so, de- so in desire to have so yeah absolutely absolutely Um, so let's let's move on number uh number four is coordinating so what's the big difference
0: between organizing and coordinating so i think the the big difference is when you get to the the coordination level um i think that you are now um putting the plan into action you're you're actually implementing the plan and in the coordination part you're you're overseeing so the things that you decided in the planning uh and organizing phase to delegate you're now um responsible for making sure that it's getting done and is it getting done to your satisfaction and to uh, the goal of whatever the assignment was and in that process uh, am I, uh, look, d- did the plan work? And if the plan didn't work, now eh, do I need to go back and reevaluate the plan and make a new plan? Uh, so that's where the, the organizing comes into play. It's a follow through and it's a follow up to the things that you've already done to determine whether or not you're, you've actually accomplished what you had set out to do. And that's, you know, that, that's kind of where the big difference is. And that would be, did you say that was the the the
1: coordinating portion? Correct. Okay, the coordinating portion. Yeah. yeah. So the coordinating portion, the big difference is that if I have to, as I planned the day, Uh, We began to execute the task, which would have been the organ in the kind of planning organization. So we're organizing, which we're prioritizing what those tasks need to be, and we begin to execute those tasks and essentially start checking them off. Uh, Through the entire time that I'm doing that, I'm I'm leading the individuals, maybe sometimes by example, sometimes by the time of just being able to delegate and say, "Hey, I trust and empower and and let them complete the task," and then I'm coming back and I'm now kind of connected with following through to make sure that what we planned what we organized what was kind of disseminated what the expectation was that it's actually getting completed
0: absolutely okay yeah absolutely and not and not only uh, getting completed but getting making sure that there's no conflicts um, you know, sometimes when when you when you look at something on the surface, you think, well, this is this is going to work, and this is the way we're going to do it. And then all of a sudden, you get into it, and you realize, wait a minute, this is taking a lot longer than I thought. This is taking, you know, the apparatus out of service for much longer than I had anticipated. Um, we we need to rethink this process. We need to go back and reevaluate what we're doing. Maybe we're not even able to accomplish it. Maybe it's not even in our, um, you know, in our Realm of, of, of something that we are capable of doing. Yeah, maybe you don't have the resources yeah, or yeah, whatever. Exactly. You get into it and you realize wow, I. You know, a bit off more than I can chew here, and I, we need to really think this through. And um, so that that's all part of it. Okay. So um, you know, and that that is that's a that's a
1: big part. You know, I think that because if you don't go back and you know reevaluate those things, then it becomes maybe frustrating for the doers because if you made the plan and and you began to execute the plan and said, hey, hey we need this this and this done, and and even to the point of like what we talked about a little bit earlier, um, you know, as far as kind of in the encouragement of commitment and the encouragement of individuals to get done because at the end of the day, the decision's got to be made. So if the decision was made early on in the day of what's going to be done and how it's going to be done, and then you reevaluate and realize that, just unable to accomplish that goes back to a lot to the firefighters to say hey you know as their as their leader they're they're humble enough to say hey you know we got to shift gears this is not this is not going the way that i thought it was intended to go and um and i think that 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 does go a long way with the firefighters yeah
0: absolutely and the other thing is because you know when we get into the last one which is motivating one of the things that you know we look at is you know is is this really a do this then this then that then that and then the other thing and, and it really isn't um, the, they all sort of work together uh, to form the entire supervision aspect of the company officer um, you know yes when we say planning an organization that kind of starts the thing um, but you know leading is something that's going on throughout the entire process. Um, you know, and, and then motivating is something that also, um, you know, will, will, um, uh, work its way through, um, the entire process as well, because, uh, you have to make sure that the individuals who you have assigned to do the task have the motivation to do it correctly, want to do it, make sure it gets done right, as opposed to just doing, you know, a a haphazard job and, deciding that you know this is good enough well it's it's not good enough unless it's done correctly um so they they all kind of you know work together yeah
1: i understand it's not like step one step two step three it's just the the way that the layout of the class kind of was
0: you know in order um, to do in order to explain explain it it. yeah exactly and give everyone an opportunity to think of each of the pieces individually yeah uh, because ultimately you're putting that all together Um, you know, all the time, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause you're, you know, and
1: I I get that. Like you're, you're saying you're going to plan and organize, but you know, every single day for 24 hours, all the time, you're always leading. Sure. And then you're always going to find that one individual that might be, ah, they're not so motivated today. Right. Um, is it just the day or is it been an ongoing thing? Um, and are we doing something to kill their motivation? Um, you know, and just, you know, all those things that happen on a regular basis. So, um, What other things, anything, anything else we want to touch base on of, you know, the, uh, um, I mean, there was so much that we covered today just in day one, you know, and so, um, and I know that the impact for, for just, and I can only speak, you know, personally for our department, the impact of, you know, having the, you know, um, direction of this, the supervisor in the house, um, you know, riding the front right seat, holding themselves accountable just as well as holding the others accountable, doing all those things is, is so impactful for the entire organization, including each of the individual companies. So, um, I know that, uh, you know, the exercises were great today, the role playing that we, uh, you know, that we, we took place in, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's not only as you're in front of the group, you know, it's challenging, but also like you're handling a serious situation that most likely a lot of
0: those scenarios that you gave us, we've dealt with. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the program itself, the, the entire program really uh, comes down to one thing and that is as supervisors, we have a responsibility um, to the department we have a responsibility to the community, and we have a responsibility to the people who we supervise. And um, you can talk about it in the administrative capacity. Uh, tomorrow we'll be talking about it on an, on uh, uh, from an on-scene capacity. But it all boils down to the same thing. Um, we need those company officers um, because w- we need uh, our, our our folks to come home every day safe. And that, and that's what it's all about. Um, and it, it doesn't matter how you look at it. You know, um, it doesn't matter what um, what your you know your your understanding of the process is, as long as you know at the end of the day, you know that that you know keeping folks safe is is paramount. Um, everything else kind of falls into place.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, I do really appreciate that task force one made up of over 70 instructors, right? You know, you travel all around the United States and have all sorts of different classes, both online and, you know, in person, that sort of thing. Um, and, and I would say that, the uh, you know, just for the reason of, you know, seeking out task force one was one of the reasons would have been, you know, just for the simple fact that, you know, none of your instructors from our specific county or or a specific area and some things that, you know, in order to, you know, bring encouragement and empowerment and, you know, um, doing something a little bit different to that. That's really comes a long way to get a completely different perspective, you know, from other individuals that are completely outside our area. So
0: absolutely. And the other thing that the task force ones that does that I appreciate is they don't bring in a canned program. Um, they do their homework ahead of time um, you know, we talked to the fire chief, we talked to you, you sent us your SOGs, your SOPs, your, your um, uh, response plans, and, and we put together a program that matched your needs, not the needs of montgomery county not the needs of uh philadelphia fire department it, it was your needs and so i think that's what makes task force one um you know separates them from from the rest of the herd yeah which uh you know i will say uh chief
1: Breit, it was a very very good uh you know working with you and and uh um and the team as a whole so yeah. you know very easy going and um and also day one was a was a huge success you yeah. know hurt a lot of individuals so kudos to that um, I'll leave us with, uh, you know, just, a, a couple takeaways as far as, um, just want to kind of expand on, on, uh, Chief Preet's, uh, um, you know, bio. So he's a retired assistant chief of Montgomery County, um, Maryland. Uh, he has nearly 35 years of experience. He served as the executive chief. In addition to his role directly relating to the fire and rescue operations, he's managed daily operational and administrative issues, including budget, daily oversight, and scheduling for over 1,100 full-time personnel. Uh, With the national and state instructor certifications, he's also served as an adjunct instructor for the Maryland Fire and Rescue Institute, NIMS instructor, and um, the Anne. Arundel Community College. Um, he's a practical incident controlled training lead instructor and holds various certifications in public safety. And so, um, you know, wow, what a, what a, just a phenomenal career. Um, you know, kudos to you to you know all the work that you've done over the the thirty five years in the in the business and and to to not only do thirty five years in the business but then also to be sitting here giving
0: back and you know to all the future firefighters so i i appreciate it it, it, it's a passion you know i I love it and um you know i recently took on a role with the national fallen firefighters foundation as well and um you know it's it's something that that i believe in um you know the everyone goes home uh, campaign is something that I, i believe in very very strongly it's very near and dear to my heart and um You know, I I figure after, you know, 30, it was actually almost 37 years in in active fire service, and then, you know, an additional 10 years now, 11 years teaching. um, Yeah, I I, I feel that, you know, I want to give back. So I don't do it uh, because I have to, I do it because I want to. And I think that that's what makes it. You know, special
1: no i think so too and i think it shows it definitely shows definitely in the delivery um because that's always the gamble right you yeah. know who's standing up there how they deliver the class is right. it you know engaging and that you know so on and so forth so do appreciate that so if anybody has any questions if they're ever interested in reaching out to task force one they do have a website uh all the instructors ron was uh you know very easy i shot him an email and went over what the different classes is. so if you're looking for something i'm sure they have something to offer um but uh do appreciate your time today and uh um, you know, thank you very much and looking forward to tomorrow. I appreciate it.
0: I'm humbled. and I I appreciate the opportunity to come out here. Absolutely.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the triple P podcast, premier professional and proactive brought to you by the Ohio fire chiefs association. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, please help us spread the word by telling your fire and EMS friends about this channel.